All right, Danny. It's been about five years since we've last seen Michael Myers. It's been five years too long. Too long. Has it been too long? We left off with Resurrection, so maybe we're done with Michael Myers at this point. Let him rest. Let him rest in peace. I say that after H2O, but here we are. Uh, Who owns Michael Myers at this point? Uh, We're still still under Dimension Films. Still under Dimension. The Weinsteins still own them. Oh, Jesus. It's remake time, baby! That's all we're making now is remakes. Comic book movies are coming when was so, the first remake uh, of like the slashers? Was it uh, Leatherface in two thousand three? Psycho, right? Psycho was like ninety eight, and yeah, okay. It was it was in the midst of the new horror era, but but they're coming. They're they're starting to come because now what else do we do? We're not getting paranormal activity. I don't think for another few years. And I think that was which was the independent film that beat. Um, Blair Witch. Right, but that's when the transition happens of getting out of the slasher era and we start going into uh, like conjuring kind of stuff and ghosts and goblins and ghouls and stuff like that. Instead of the slasher. For right now, we're at the remake stage. It's remake season. Who do we go to for a remake of Halloween? We need something to revitalize the yeah. franchise of Halloween. Resurrection was awful, and people know it. Terrible. We it hated was just it. A terrible movie. Where do we go for Halloween in 2007? Well, you know, your fans are growing up. I'm in college at this point. It's 2007. I'm about to graduate, I believe. Yeah. Okay. I'm about to graduate. Co- I mean, I do know I graduated in 07, but 07 <laughs> is when this. New, but 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 you know, Lance, we need to get a director who's just gonna come in and just give Refresh. it fresh, fresh stuff because it's a remake. But we we don't want to re, we don't want a cookie cutter remake, do we? Right. We don't want an exact replica. No, we don't, and we don't want the MTV era stuff because we know that doesn't work. That's Resurrection, H two O. So where do we go? What do we do? Do we want edgier? We, we want, want edgy. Do we want dark? We want dark. Do we want it bloody? We want it bloody. Okay, so... You go out and you get the hottest, bloody, dark, edgy director right now, and that director is... Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie, the Hellbilly Deluxe guy himself. That's right. Fresh off of Rejects. Yeah. Is uh, arguably his best movie in his time as a director. Rob Zombie is, as many of you know a musician but as lance pointed out was not how he started no actually in the 80s before he started and joined white uh white zombie white zombie his first band he was actually on the production of peewee's playhouse not sure what he did i don't remember if he was a pa or a showrunner or what exactly but he was behind the scenes of that show so he has been on set He's done quite an interesting show with Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah, uh, I'll say. If you watch that as a kid, it's totally different when you watch it as an adult. There's some interesting innuendos, weird innuendos, humor, yeah. uh, very odd stuff. Uh, but here we are. We got Rob Zombie. He knows how to make a film. Some films we like. Uh, if you know anything about House of a Thousand Corpses, his first major film, it went through hell and high water to be made and produced which maybe someday we'll talk about that i would love to yeah because there's a whole bunch of lost footage on that movie well that movie was terrifying for me uh when i watched it and imagine if you had ever seen the n7 scene or x-rated cut of it really wow yeah anyway so we got rob zombie we're doing a remake 
Danny, you want to give us our uh, pumpkin spice latte of Rob Zombie's Halloween? Absolutely. Rob Zombie's Halloween, the pumpkin spice latte is... This is a retelling and or remake of the original John Carpenter and Deborah Hill's Halloween from 1978. The characters will be the same. The premise will be the same. Maybe a little bit more uh, incorporating what we knew from Halloween 2. But it is a retelling of the traditional horror film that was Halloween. Uh, we have a Michael Myers who is uh, actually going to be shown as a child and what he went through. Uh, so there is a two parts of this movie. There is a young Michael Myers and there's adult Michael Myers. So young Michael Myers, we get to see him in school and all the things that he went through as a kid and what he did. Uh, you know, more more so than we got in the original where we do see young Michael Myers, but we just see him really kill his sister. This one, we get a little bit more as to what he went through and what led him to be there. And then the eventual commitment them committing him into Smith Grove and then adult Michael Myers, who has then is going to, of course, since it's a retelling of the original, going to break out and going to look for and stalk Laurie Strode, who he knows and finds out is his sister. And we know it's his sister the entire time. Michael Myers is back in Haddonfield on the hunt for Laurie Strode and anyone who gets in his way. That is Rob Zombie's Halloween. Okay. And with that, there's a lot of there's a lot of split fans on this movie. There are a lot of split fans on this movie. Yes, it's almost it's not controversial really. It's just You can be a fan of this movie and still be a respected sort of fan in the Halloween franchise. Yeah. You could I, totally be a fan of this movie. There's nothing I won't say that there's nothing wrong because that's the wrong thing. There are things wrong with this movie, but none of it is structure or sorry. None of it is um, how it's shot. None of it is the capability of the director or the crew. None of it is that. It is a well done movie. It is um, done with some very capable actors. I think what people end up drawing the line is that this movie challenged a lot of what they loved and appreciated about michael myers absolutely that's what i would say about it as well is i think you'll probably talk about rob zombie's knowledge of halloween and uh you know where michael kind of came from and all this kind of stuff but what this movie actually did for me was make me realize what i love so much about the franchise prior to this movie uh one thing i will say i'll probably say it quite often in this this show and the next one is this movie, Rob Zombie's horror film, a Halloween horror film, is not a bad movie. It's a no. great movie to watch. It's a, it's a really good horror film. It's not Halloween to me. It's not what I want with Michael Myers and Halloween Correct. and the franchise. But it's still good. There's a lot of good to it. What it does is expands. And what happens when you expand a material becomes super light and <clears throat> spread out. And that's what happens is we're stretching material here. And unfortunately, we get this crazy huge amount of origin for Michael Myers. We we go into his his lifestyle back home and his mom, who's a stripper, who's played by Sherry Moon Zombie, who 
is an actress. Um, (laughs) The last name is not a coincidence. That is Rob Zombie's wife. Yes. Uh, The family dynamic and what it really does, the whole film actually, is sets up Michael as a sympathetic character, I believe. Um, It does talk about... Sure. If you look, okay, if you watch Michael's dynamic at home, he's a sweet boy. He's got this edge to him where he does this weird shit and kills animals, but we don't know how long he's been in this dynamic at his home, right? His dad is violent. Well, it's his stepdad. It's his stepdad, Ronnie White, I believe is his name. Ronnie, which is kind of, I think they were trying to go with Lonnie, uh, but. No, Ronnie, just a new guy. Yeah, there's a played by uh, William Forsyth, who is yes. terrifying, and Dick Tracy as Flat Top, and other movies. Obviously, he's very good. He was in The Devil's Reach. Well, first of all, everyone who's in this movie, yes. almost everyone, has worked with Rob Zombie in his previous two films. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I mean, get him to obviously Sherry Moon, right. but uh, almost everyone, but mostly everyone that has been in his previous movies is in this movie. But I'll say, we'll talk about the style of Rob Zombie, especially is his dialogue. Isn't incredibly, I would say intelligent, but it's so aggressive that it's horrifying. It's almost like in, there's no comparison. And I'm not going to be the one to say that there is any comparison whatsoever between Rob Zombie and Quentin Tarantino, but you know, Quentin Tarantino's movies because the dialogue is a, a lot. There's a lot of it. And it's intelligent, but at the same time, there's just, it, you can tell by the way the actors are portraying their lines. Oh, I'm watching a Quentin Tarantino movie. I'm going right. to sign up for a lot of dialogue. With zombie movies, you're going to sign up for almost the same thing as far as the, um, there's going to be an, a, a, a lot of dialogue per se, but it's going to be very much, the F-bomb is going to be like, you know, water or air to them. Yes. But it's just, there's just a, there's a cadence to it that just is easily identifiable that you're watching a Rob Zombie, what he has branded his own brand, I think is uh hellbilly, right? It's yeah. that uh, yes. sort of macabre, but sort of rednecky hillbilly. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. Right. And like I said, there's a, there's so, so much aggression to it. That it's its own horrifying sense of like, this is a really icky feeling. Oh yeah. You know, and he pulls a lot. I think his style pulls a lot from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, too. Uh, almost, I feel, directly pulls from that movie. But um, there's just this sense of ick. And he's very, and you're right, he's very much, um, he's influenced by the, by 70s horror. Yeah. Very much Spaghetti so. horror. Yeah. Uh, he, you could see the influence from Toby Hooper in, in Texas Chainsaw. There's a lot of Carpenter in his work, too. Not a, not, not as a parent because it's you know carpenter was minimalist as far as the blood and guts were concerned but or is but with rob zombie he he you can see a lot of this sort of um yeah icky dirty grimy everything is Mm -hmm. you watch any documentary behind the scenes of all of his movies There is a, they'll get a piece of wardrobe and they just muck it up. Right. You know, there's the, the, yes. the characters are gross. They're grimy. So it's almost like he's out of his element. If he's going to shoot anything that's like when he has to shoot the Strodes or something, because Lori is not that, you know, I mean, you can make Michael that if you want. I think that's why people drew the line in the sand from the beginning was 
we didn't or they or us whoever did not want to see michael be this grimy you know backwoods sort of depiction it didn't fit because from the original when you see it he's very you know like he's He's not. First of all, he got a really hulking character to play Michael. Yes, he got Tyler Maine, Michael. Yes. Yeah, Sabretooth from X Men. He got you know he was a former wrestler. He's huge. A dude's like six seven, almost seven feet. I think he's a huge guy. So he got a massive dude to play Michael, which it works because it's terrifying to see this hulking mask coming at you. But at the same time, that's not what made the original so effective I, I as far as the shape is concerned. Because yeah. there is no shape here. No. Because when you, you can't be that hulking of a person and work your way through the shadows of how, of Haddonfield. You can't. You can't be, you know, uh, stalking. It doesn't work. There's like moments where he's supposed to be stalking Annie and they put even him on Apple boxes to look through a window. And I'm like, that's so forced. It doesn't. Yeah. So there's something that's disconnected from that, but I don't think Rob Zombie set out to make a carbon copy of Halloween, which I appreciate. Right. But again, I go back to stretching material and we get so much origins. There's a reason for everything in this film. There's a reason for the mask. There's a reason for the costume. There's a reason for Michael doing what he does. And again, I feel like there's some tug of sympathy for him because you know so much about him. What freaked me out as a kid is a suburban Michael Myers kid snapping, being totally normal, nothing happening, and Michael snaps, and the six-year-old just goes off. But now you're giving him the the socio-psycho. You're giving him the why. Yeah, you're, and you're giving he's him killing the animals like in the first scene with his mask on, right? And, and that's all like what the FBI, when you know, were uh, diagnosing potential serial killers. These were like traits that they would exhibit, right? But it's like again, another line that was drawn in the sand, and especially I think where you and I will always differ. Where what type of horror do you appreciate and or like? Which is is it scarier for the villain? And in this case, Michael Myers to kill and go crazy murdering just because he decided to that day? Or is it scary for him to do all that because he was an abused kid or he came from a bad home or he has this driving force like he had? There's a why. So it's it's that it's the it's what type of horror do you feel hits you harder? And for me, I think it'll always be. And I, I, I know it'll always be. He just does for no reason, no motive. Okay, that is terrifying to me because he can be you, and he could be me, and he could be anybody. Mm-hmm. Guy next door, girl next door, doesn't matter. You can get it. Yeah, and I like that for a one-off film. But when we're building worlds and having multiple uh, sequels, I like that we got a tidbit of information about Michael as we progressed. We got a little bit more each and every time. And even you can go back to Halloween six, he snaps on the cult that was taking care of him and all sure. this kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's what I like. I like the tidbits that we get to progress every character and the world in zombies. We get a direct, this is everything we, we, yeah. we are told everything about Michael Myers, his environment, the people in the world, like, and like you said about it, zombie style, everyone's like grim. We had a film in the seventies, Halloween one, 1978. Everyone's pretty clean. You yeah. know what I mean? But yeah, he's yeah. got this grungy, like, no, Michael's going to wear a kiss shirt. 
Um, uh, I mean, he's going to talk a lot, even in the original. We don't you. I don't think you've ever heard Michael talk. So now no. you're hearing a young Michael Myers not only talk, but carry on throughout. Like you know, go, it's a couple of days that we see him living in his young in the world in right. the world as he's a young kid, and it builds up this sweet kid because though she's not my favorite actress, Cherry Moon Zombie's relationship with young Michael is this sweetness. Like she calls him a sweet boy kind of a thing. Like he does, he does have a sweet, uh, aspect to him. It's funny. The casting that was, uh, well, the choices that were made for it, like, cause that's a, that's a, that's a tall order to get the perfect person or mm. kid in this case to play young Michael. When you have such, it's like, you know, I mean, you have one of the most iconic characters of all horror movie history and you want to nail it. Right. So, they went ex- to extensive casting, and it's just when you see, and I don't know how to say his last name, but his first name is Daig, the the boy who played yeah. uh, Fair Fair. It's okay. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> uh, anyway, he um, he's got this like almost cherub yeah. quality of him. He looks like a like like a little angel boy. He's got the like you know puffy cheeks. Uh, he's got kind of sunken eyes or or not sunken, but anyway, you'll see a picture of him, and he's just there's this like innocent quality to him. But then when as the movie progresses and as he decides to start going down this road that they've set up that he must go on, there is a darkness that can be so so. It's almost like his face is the mask, Mm. is the original Michael mask because of how like emotionless it can be. But it's like pale and smooth. But there is a there's a darkness behind the eyes. I think that I think the kid was that they chose was a real uh, was a real interesting choice. And I think it's it's effective. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, in the trailer, they show that scene, that shot of him in the cop car kind of looking over. And then it flashes into the Michael Myers mask. Right, yeah, that's which, what got me. I remember watching yeah. that trailer. I was up my uh, at my boy's house in uh, in El Paso, and I remember making all my friends watch this trailer with me, yeah. and I made them all promise that they were going to go watch it in theaters with me. Uh, I was just, I was always a super fan in college. I was really hitting my stride as far as like being out there. It's really hitting my stride as a Halloween fan. I was really just out there and being like, I don't care who knows. I don't care. I'm I'm a Michael Myers fan through and through. It's the way it is. And horror fan to begin with. But at the same time, it's like, you're almost like as a fan, you're watching this. You're like, I hope this is great, but it should be on paper. You have everything that should, that makes sense. You have a hot director who understands horror. You have a good source material. And all you got to do is kind of like, I mean, he's going to write and direct it. Rob Zombie is, but if you see the way he direct, uh, yeah, the way he directs, they've got the script there and you know, they're taking stuff out day of, you know, he's even said, he's like, this is a piece of paper and I've got thoughts on it and I have beats that, you know, they're, they're blocked out for production. But as far as like what we're going to say, I, he almost has to feel it. He almost yeah. has to see the actors in their costume on the setting to kind of feel it. And then when you do stuff changes on the fly. I think he's more of an artist yeah. in, in his sense of directing and all that kind of stuff. So it makes more sense. And I think that's why the dialogue works out the way that it does so often. Um, and again, that, that style, you're right though. On paper, it worked. I originally, when I heard Rob Zombie, cause again, I'm Mr. Fucking internet. I'm looking, <laughs> I want to know all the information before it's out. I originally was like, Ooh, I don't know. I, cause I know his style. I know the films that I've seen him do, you know, house of a thousand corpses, devil's rejects, 
how does that work in Michael's level or in Halloween and in Hatton, the Hattonfield that I know? And that's not what we're getting. No, I mean, I remember I was like, oh, you're going to put you're going to give Michael Myers long hair and a beard, aren't you? You know, that's I, I, I was like, of course. Well, we didn't get like a huge beard. Not yet. But we did get a, you know, long haired Michael Myers. Yeah. Uh, so I was like. I, whatever like you know that that's you know tuck it into the mask or, or don't but uh this was the first time that we saw uh what they chose to do was show that he well michael not only in the original okay in the original michael kills judith and then his parents find him and then cut what no, go ahead. What? No, it made me laugh. I'm thinking of something. Go ahead. Okay, so he kills Judith, right? And then his parents find him, and then he's committed, and then it fast-forwards uh, 17 years later, right? In this one, you're not only going to get the murder of Judith, you're going to get the murder of her boyfriend. You're going to get the murder of the stepfather. You're also going to get murder of the bully played by a spy kid, you know, from the spy kids. I remember him from Weeds, but yes. Oh, sure. Yeah, around. yeah, yeah. So... You're getting a lot of Michael, young Michael murdering. So it's like, there's a lot that's going to be new, but there's a lot that's like, uh, you might be kind of pushing it with what we're okay with seeing this iconic character do. And yeah. to me, you just need to kill Judith and you need to continue. But then again, that that that's, well, then why the fuck would you make the movie then, right? Yeah, and there are basically, there's a, a big split right down the middle of this film where it is all Rob Zombie origins of Halloween and it's something you've never seen before. And then the second half is more of what you have seen before, just tweaked quite a bit. So I, I thought it was the perfect ending to the Rob Zombie portion of the film as far as that right. analogy goes, where he's just kind of offing everyone that was mean to him, basically. Um, but specifically the scene where he finally makes a decision to kill his stepdad, there, it's a really cool part because... Um, there's a song playing that makes me laugh. I forget is it Love Hurts? Love Hurts. Well, Love Hurts. So mom is stripping and Michael is left on his own to trick or treat and he's just sitting there alone and he's like having the worst Halloween ever. <laughs> well, because he keeps on eating candy corn. By himself. What kind of? That's how we knew he was a psychopath because he kept on eating candy corn. <laughs> right. But so he's got a sugar rush so he can blame it on that. Uh, Judith is supposed to take him trick or treating doesn't because she's up there getting busy as that is continued right plus now uh, it's been forced in Michael's face that his mom's a stripper and you know right th that, that's how they bully him they sh she's got cutouts in the newspaper which ridiculous but so yeah. mom stripping Michael's on the on like the, the he's street. on the sidewalk yeah the yeah curb. just depressed and he goes you know what fuck this I'm I'm going home and I'm I'm wreaking havoc this is my holiday y'all yeah. ruined it I'm taking you out. And there's this, this really cool scene, actually, of Michael. It's almost like he's enjoying Halloween. It's like where it all kind of starts. He has got he puts the clown mask on. He's got Ronnie tied up or with duct tape. Because Ronnie, Ro okay, Ronnie's played by William Forsyth. He's like this ridiculously over-the-top, just disgusting of a human being. He's right. like uh, got a, a broken hand, a broken leg or something. Finger. And so he's just like, huh? Yeah, he's got a broken finger. He's yeah, got, he's yeah. all fucked up just before he gets killed. Right. And I mean, it's, and he's obviously very, very creepy. He like is making comments towards Judith and it's, it's a bad, this is a bad dude who you don't really feel terrible for him meeting right. his end. And the unfortunate part is like, that was one throwback that we would have loved to see done. I guess, 
a total throwback, which is Michael going into the drawer, grabbing the knife. Sure. But in Rob Zombie's version, it's duct tape and then a knife. Right. He inca- he is able to tie down or tape down Ronnie because Ronnie is passed out because he's so drunk. And the only time he wakes up is when he gets he gets the, uh, the the happy face. Right. And right before that, though, before Michael makes the decision to do this, he's already tied him down. But he goes to the window. Puts his mask on. So we got this creepy clown mask on. He looks outside and he sees the little trick-or-treaters going. Yeah. And then it goes back to the shot of Michael. And, he, and, of course, he opens. This is a great scene. I love this scene. He opens the curtain with a, his knife to look out and see the kids trick-or-treating. And it's like that's the transformation from little Michael to Halloween going to kill you, Michael. And it's so cool and creepy and well done. And then he goes and slashes uh, Ronnie's throat. And... I think it's just like that's a really cool part of this film. I was like, oh yeah, that sets a tone. It talks about Michael. It shows Michael on Halloween and what went wrong on this particular Halloween. Well, it's like it's almost like it's 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 his house, right? So it's where he feels comfortable. It's his happiness. So it's almost like you know. And then he slat he slashes Ronnie, and he's happy. It's like almost like he's in his own. Slasher's Paradise. Oh, <laughs> that come on, y'all want to mess around? Yes. No. Uh. So so he kills Ronnie, but but there are more people in the house, which is so actually brilliant. If you're gonna commit multiple murders, and you know you don't want anyone to kind of get wind of each other, um, you know he's taped down over the like Ronnie's taped down over the mouth, over the head, incapacitated. All so he just bled out, but like. That's how they saw him, just reclined on the couch, right? So there's no reason to suspect that he's anything but asleep. Um, the mask, however, is introduced as a kid. The uh, the iconic Michael Myers, William Shatner mask is introduced as he's young. It is brought uh, forth by uh, Linda, not Linda, but uh, Judith's boyfriend. I right. think his name is Steve. He brings it out and there he wants to do something like kinky stuff with Judith. And uh, so that's where we first see the mask. So it's introduced at least, what is it, 17 years before. Right. The, to uh, you, that's blasphemous, right? Somebody else is wearing the mask in a Halloween film. Right. And that's right. how it's introduced to the world is on this guy's Because head. what do we know? Because, I mean, like, honestly, if that guy, that could actually, you know, put, put a real hitch in your giddy up. If you kind of see that, you're like. Oh, I don't like this right now at all. The fact that the real, the reason, what? What's funny to me is how huge the mask is. It's huge. <laughs> well, because it's a, it's that mask. I saw the process. They took a mold of Tyler Maine I first. Know. Yeah. You could tell. Like, it's they, his fucking head on, huge. on this, like, so, you know, even, even on that, that kid that, uh, Judah's boyfriend, it doesn't fit on him either. Right. So, um, my poor Deborah Myers is out there just trying to make ends meet for her family. Nobody in there is working. The other dudes on, I guess, disability hope, you know, now yeah. he's permanently on disability, but anyway, right, right. <laughs> uh, Steve comes down. I, I'm going to call him Steve comes down and make a sandwich and he gets brutally murdered. This one is actually the one that kind of makes me go like, Ugh, I don't like this. He gets bat uh, yeah, head, a bat yeah. over the head, an aluminum bat. And they do a great Foley job with all that sound, the crunching and the yeah. blood and the, you know, as far as gross, disgusting, maybe even um, jarring kills, Rob Zombie does have 
he's got it. He knows what he knows what the hell's going on. He knows the shit, and it's yeah. very realistic in that sense. If you listen to you know crime podcasts or anything like that, yeah. you followed these kind of things. They're super violent most of the time. They're kind of done out of passion or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's what he really tones in on is the blood and the crunch of his kills. Yeah. Especially with Michael. Yeah. So he, uh, he takes this baseball bat to the, to the boyfriend who was just trying to, he was going to make a sandwich, you know, for his, yeah. uh, but what they did keep was the fact that this, these boyfriends of Judith can't last more than two minutes. Poor guys. Uh, so he dies there and now we get back to the original idea of Halloween the original movie right. michael's going up to kill judith but right. this time she fully sees him he's wearing the mask she has a little because he kind of you know she's not fully dressed she and he kind of like touches her which is kind of weird you know but it's like, weird but it made me think of like oh, okay i appreciate that because that's something i always talk about with michael is his playfulness you well, know what I mean? yeah to, like he's to enter a scene he starts to kind of i guess like playing with your food if you're a predator, you play, kind of play right. like cat and mouse. I don't know. They're, yeah, yeah, I know. I got the it. Playful they're, hands of Michael. Yeah, there's something I there. appreciate it as a nod. It's super creepy, but it's a Rob Zombie film. Like, well, yeah, sex is all over the place. Yeah, and there's even the multi- way, even the way she's filmed. I'm sorry, but no, it's the way she's filmed. They film at the most, uh, the worst angle for a woman, which unflattering, is unflattering. Yeah, very unflattering. And he does it multiple times through both films, and it's that upshot with the girl's legs crossed at the butt kind of a thing. I, my fiance was in there watching. And I was like, Oh wow. There's her, you know, everything. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a very gratuitous nudity in a lot of Rob zombie movies. But what we have here is yeah. An unflattering angle and a very, you know, you get to see her, her private, her very, the woman's very private parts. It's just yeah. like something, not something, when nudity was just talk about where we were in 1978 with the original Halloween. Yeah. You do see a little bit of Judith. She covers herself when she sees Michael. And when you see Linda, you can, you know, she's topless. So there, yeah, the, the nudity was like almost like classy. Yeah. And we are far removed from that because you have fully nude uh, characters, even going through like multiple scenes where they're having to be fully nude. Like, uh, pre and post death. So anyway, um, wakes Judith up right, and because she, yeah. she, she was she was she was listening to music, so he gets her attention. He's already uh, he's already in his, so he's got the Myers mask on, but he's got his clown costume on, which yes. is actually kind of you know it's like a mesh between two worlds. Sure, so, but he uh, he gives her the business. He kills the hell out of her with a well, knife. He, he does, but she smacks him around a little bit kind of you know yeah like answer me what what, what are you doing sort of a thing (laughs) he he gives her a good stab in the stomach and then she kind of trails out so this scene is actually going to last a lot longer than the original which was just him going at it so now we get little michael in his clown outfit with the michael myers white pill shaped mask going down the hallway and i don't know if you remember your theater experience but everyone started laughing at this scene and so did i and i still do to this day i start cracking up because of how big the mask is on him because how big the mask is you got this little michael going after his sister and you're like okay this is just comical but for me it took some legitimacy out of the film because everyone's laughing at this point i didn't laugh at that part but i did laugh at the same reason yeah Right after he kills Judith and they show the baby, which we didn't mention, Laurie Strode is born. She's a baby in this, right? They call her Boo, right? Um, She's a baby in this. So the baby's been left there. 
Ay, poor Deborah Myers, but I don't I don't know how good of a mom this girl, this woman is. Like she's leaving a lot of care into this stepfather who is obviously abusive verbally and is creepy and is crippled to Michael, who's going to go trick-or-treating by himself. And Judith, who is like got her own agenda. And there's a baby just in the crib, this poor darling child. So when I laugh is the same reason that you mentioned, but it's that scene because Judith is dead. Everyone else is dead. And all that's left is the baby. And you think, no way, he's not going to kill the baby. But the shot is starts of the baby and then pans to the door frame. And he's in there just like standing with the, with the, <laughs> with the mask on. It is funny because it's a small body, but it almost looks like he's like, gay. You know, because the mask is kind of tilted up. Come on. Anyway. Yeah, he takes the baby outside. They go sit down. Uh, but Deb- he's deactivated. Yeah, yeah. He's he, turned off he's turned the off. shape. Here's something interesting. Uh, I only realized this in watching the documentary and hearing the people talk about it. It's the relationship you mentioned between the mom, Deborah Myers, and... Michael Mm -hmm. is so like there's a huge connection there that he did what he did killed Ronnie and Steve and I guess and Judith to protect his mom okay because they were all really like not not the boyfriend really but like they were all mean to her and they were like abusive of her and it was a way for him to be like it's okay now we can we can be okay now you and me Mm -hmm. and the baby right so there was something I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, it's a warped way of looking at it because like, no, you can't just go and do that. But that was maybe his motive for doing it anyway. Right. But at the same time, is it really a motive if you completely are gone in the moment or well, is it because, just the pushing point? I think it's the pushing point because we do. He hasn't he hasn't left us because he's still there. He's still talking to her almost like he doesn't understand later when he's committed and he's talking to her. He does. He's like, um, how's everybody at home? Yeah. Like he's almost like kind of like he had an episode sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but it was driven from a real sort of. So there is a lot to unpack in that as far as how much you how much baggage you want to give him, which you people are bullied at school. That's one thing, but the, the, the he's obviously got the tendency to be a little, yeah, he is psychotic because he's, he, he's killing multiple animals and keeping mm-hmm. them, taking pictures of them. That's all serial killer uh, motives. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it was only a matter of time until he was going to eventually do this, but he does pick where he draws the line in this sense it's his baby sister boo and obviously his mom right okay so now michael myers is committed and we're introduced to a brand new dr samuel loomis played by movie royalty malcolm mcdowell yeah I like Malcolm McDowell. For the Who most doesn't? Part. This yeah. is uh, a horror show. This, uh, well, that's what he says in uh, Clockwork Orange. Yes. Uh, you know, Loomis is my favorite character. I had a hard time swallowing this one because I don't. I felt like he wasn't really a touchable character. Uh, I rewatching it. I'm. He did a good job. I mean, telling the story and diving in. But we also get an origins of Loomis and Michael together, kind of. You know. Well, what what. And what that's what we don't get to see, obviously, in the original. But what we miss, or sorry, I'm not going to use that. What we get with Donald Pleasance's Loomis mm. is comfort, I believe. Yeah. 
against the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. And we know that he is driven by a sole motive, which is to protect those who may be affected by Michael and also to stop Michael. Mm-hmm. With this Loomis, he's almost... Um, you could see there's tendencies of himself believing in his own bullshit. Uh, he's a bit grandiose. Uh, there is... I don't think it was effectively portrayed uh, as far as when he decided to be a caring doctor. I didn't believe him. Okay. I just didn't because I've seen him be um, kind of, th- th- there's tendencies, th- th- the tendencies are there. Like, okay, when he, he, okay, so he stopped being, eventually Michael grows to an age where he's just not talking anymore. And Loomis has decided he's not going to be his doctor anymore. He goes out and he writes an exploit exploitative book. He gives a lecture at a hall in front of students where behind him, he has a huge picture of Michael Myers as his uh, background. Like if he's like Patton, yeah. you know, behind the stars and stripes. That's like, that's not you trying to be a good doctor. That's you trying to like capitalize on the fact that you were assigned to a, a a serial killer essentially, or like a big story. So I didn't really like that aspect of Loomis. And then in Halloween two, they just shit the bed on that. And I hate Loomis in Halloween two, but we'll talk about that later. Right. So in this one, I'm like, there's things about Malcolm McDowell's portrayal and, or maybe the way it was written that I just, I'm, I want my Dr. Loomis to be more like Donald Pleasance because then I feel like, you're going to care only when it benefits you or, I mean, yeah. Okay. The, the character's complex. I can give him that. Yeah. yeah. He's got other things going on, but it just, eh, I didn't like it personally. I, I didn't like it either. And especially at that time, I was such a huge fan. I was so in depth into the Halloween franchise. I was like, you can't touch him. You can't touch him. And yeah. I was so stubborn about it. Now I give more of a, an applaud to zombie. Like you got to do something different. I mean, you're going to make it your own film. You got to go that route, I guess, or, you know, whatever route you choose. And that's the one that he went with. Um, you know, some of the stuff with him and Michael when Michael's a kid is interesting. He tries to be he tries to befriend him. He asks him questions. He tries to get more out of him. But you're right. There's there's something missing with the connection. There um, is, because and, I think and it was important later on. I mean, it was so important later on. It's that, hugely important later yeah. on, because, like, you have to give. You have to make us care, and I would love to di- dive into a uh, uh, a depiction of this relationship between a doctor and a patient, mm-hmm. where the doctor almost feels like I can help you, I can save you, just you know, let me, let me help you. And it did. It felt kind of like it was go- maybe Malcolm McDowell was just not the right cast for it, casting for it. But you know, I. T- I think you could have driven that point better uh, forward better, just a little bit more like likability about yeah. him and just a little bit more like, uh, you know, awe factor to them because that would be nice to see that only I understand Michael, which is what Donald Pleasance did give us. He's like, you know, he's the, he's the one that saw him and he knew how dangerous he was. A lot of times we don't, you almost don't even, eh, because of how they packaged Michael you feel like he's just waiting for somebody to say the right you know coupling of words for him to like settle down whereas in the original he didn't look like he could be reasoned with and I like that 
Yeah, I like that as well. And what's funny that you just mentioned that because we have that scene with Danny Trejo. <laughs> oh, yes. Danny Trejo is the Machete. one that, He's the one that kind of sets Michael off and like and he says like look beyond the walls and envision something Try else. to live inside your head. Uh, Danny Trejo yeah. plays a, a janitor yes. who's like a uh, you know, he's there when he's young, when he's barely committed and you know, all the way till he get he's like 17 years older, right? So it's uh it's a cool It's almost like uh you're like, "Oh, if you're nice to Michael, he would have he he you know, he will spare your life or whatever. Right. right? And he ends up not. Cause when he does break out, although got to talk about something real quick, it depends on how you watch this movie for Lance. And I, we watched this movie in theaters and there is a theatrical cut to the movie, which has a completely different way as to how Michael escapes the prison. Yeah. Up the sanitarium. There's a completely different way in the theatrical version. Uh, He's being transported by guards who are played by uh, Bill Mosley, Bill Mosley, uh, Leslie Easterbrook, yes, who's uh, in all. In, well, she's in the Devil's Rejects and uh, Towels. Tom Towels, I think, is his name. He was the deputy in mm-hmm. House One. Uh, anyway, House One, House of a Thousand Corpses, Rob Zombie's first movie. Yes. Anyway, that's what I was saying. So. They're transporting him and Michael breaks out of his chains and kills them all and, you know, kills, you know, a couple more people and then escapes. That's all well and good. It just, uh, it didn't seem like it was very uh, Rob Zombie-ish. It seemed very much like, go do this because what you originally filmed is too much. And you know what? It actually was a reshoot. These were, uh, this was done three months later after principal photography closed. Yes. It seems like one of those compromises that Rob Zombie said, okay, I'll reshoot your scene, but I'm doing it with my people. Oh, sure. <laughs> and yeah. He brings everyone from uh, House and Rejects and puts them together, which they have a great dynamic. They have some, oh, sure. some comedy. In I mean, it's funny to see Bill Mosley, who we just got done oh, seeing as this Otis, yeah, as Otis. And he's just like, you know, this clean cut, clean cut and like handsome. He's a good looking dude. Oh, Bill. I mean, he's got such an unmistakable voice. I love Bill Mosley's voice. I would love for him to just like narrate like a horror he short. To, or, he went to like Harvard or uh, Yale. <laughs> like he went to a very prestigious Ivy League. Oh, really? School. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the first time we were introduced to him for you, probably I know for me it was Texas Chainsaw Two as Absolutely. Chop Top. So yep. did you get her? Did you get her? <laughs> you know, one so of my like, favorite horror characters of all time. Chop Top. Yes. All right. Absolutely. Oh, we gotta talk about that. Anyway, so. That's the theatrical version. In the original intended, very much Rob Zombie directed uh, director's cut, he is, uh, first of all, he's decided to make masks. That's his thing. He identifies with masks. He identifies with masks. He starts to hide behind them and says, don't, you know, I need to cover my face. I'm ugly and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's what he tells his mom when he's still a kid and when he's still, still talking. Eventually he stops talking. Right. Uh, but yeah, he makes a lot of masks and his his uh, cell is just covered covered yes. with masks, which I actually thought was actually really cool. Me too. I did too. And there's even one shot in the director's cut I watched last night where you can actually see it looks like a Myers mask where it's very white, very defined uh, cheeks and oh, all nice. this kind of stuff. But yeah, there's one quick shot of it that you can see. But. Which like is so cool. Like, I mean, he's he... I love that uh, that idea of you know identifying with like kind of masking yourself and you know uh, who are you when you have something to cover your face right uh, very cool idea so then 
in the director's cut, and this is just the way it was. This is how, this is the movie. Uh, an orderly who was now be, was paired with Danny Trejo is uh, Lou Temple, is, uh, this, this, <laughs> and he's just this like uh, uh, he's uh, he pushes it. You know, yeah. he kind of has some racial innuendo remarks towards Danny Trejo, and it's very much uh, you know. I, I remember people in the theater being like. Don't be talking to Danny Trejo like that, you know. <laughs> so, um, him and I guess his cousin works who works there, who they almost look similar, get another patient, a woman, and uh, take her into this is all after hours, take her into Michael Myers' cell and proceed to get him do get him to do something. He's just in there making masks, which does never seems. Just how hulking this dude is. Why would this seem like a good idea? Anyway, going into his cell and proceeding to fuck with him, like call him names and and scream at him and mess with his masks and rape the girl on his bed is to. And it's just like a very uh, tumultuous scene. I think yelling at him is just they think he's dormant. He hasn't done anything since he killed in the original theatrical. Does he kill that nurse as a child? No, he just no, no. So I'm thinking of director's cut. Okay, so he hasn't done anything. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I don't know if it, the only the major difference I remember from the theatrical and the directors is the way he breaks out of prison. Okay, so from the version that I saw, the the uh, the uh, director's cut, he kills a nurse, which basically sets his mom off because thing that now there's no hope. Oh right, that and, that's such a it's 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 shot in that like sped up slow motion, yeah. And the siren is playing, and uh, he does it while wearing a, a mask, and this is still young Michael, and the mom is visiting at the time, and so when she takes she tries to take his mask off, he like ah, just yeah. like screams and like charges at her, and she like is in terror, like she finally sees him as the monster that he right. is. Yeah, and that scene is just what kind of sets her off, and she ends up. Uh, offing herself uh yeah, she kills herself while she you know uh it's you know she has her she has her baby there so mm-hmm. you hear her shoot herself and the baby's crying in the background so. Boo, who becomes laurie strode eventually is <clears throat> in the in the scene with her but that's what sets her off so nothing has happened since then since he was a kid and he's been completely mute ever since then he's yeah we've we, we've established that he's choosing to be mute right. at this point but he can speak that is Something you need to know going forward that he can speak. So, uh, yeah, so these guys go in there, start kind of poking the bear, trying to get him to do his thing. Uh, We get to see Michael's lair, which is kind of cool. It is Uh, a really cool looking lair. He's got all the masks set up everywhere. So wonderful. It's really, it's really cool. Like if we're going to get locked up, that's probably what we're going to end up doing. But he's just dormant. He's just in there paper macheing his mask. But he's still seven <laughs> feet tall. Yes. I wouldn't mess with a dormant seven foot tall anything. Yeah. So he's they, like a bear that you just woke up from hibernation. Right. You know? Yeah. So he does. He's like, oh, y'all wanted to fuck around. Oh, okay. Cool, 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 cool. He kills both the orderlies, which, and he doesn't touch the girl, which, I mean, that's nice of him. Uh, but he's. As far as we know. Right. I don't think he does because he's just whatever. Uh, he goes in the hospital. He's going to break out, kills a couple more people. One, including Danny Trejo, who was his like sort of watch guardian angel sort of thing. Right. It just shows that there is nothing. And there is something there that is nice that you can show that you can't 
even though you want to be this good moral compass of a character, you're still likely to be killed. Well, that's when you see, like, is he going to actually kill everyone in his path? Or is there some, like, stay of, or there's, is there something left from the, the child that everyone was so nice to, you know, or, you know, somebody like Trejo. Yeah. And he makes the decision to off Trejo and kill Trejo. Kills him good. And yeah, uh, we get the TV on the the head after he drowns him a little bit. Yeah. Um, and Trejo, Danny Trejo. I was good to you, Mikey. I was good to you, Mikey. <laughs> the Mikey. Mikey, I was good to you. So that was oh. another thing. I like that he called him Mikey. He just like identified with the little boy. He's watched him grow up for first of all. Years, you know. Also, this is me just. I love Danny Trejo as a person. Yes. He is one of the most awesome people to meet in real life. If you're ever in the LA area and there isn't a pandemic going on, go to uh, Trejo's Tacos. You will probably be there. Last time I was there, uh, I took Caitlin for her birthday and nice. he sang happy birthday to her. Really? Yes. Oh, yeah. Good. He's so, he's just a cool guy. But anyway, Michael's out and he's uh, headed to Haddonfield. You know, here's the thing about also Rob Zombie's casting. He's going to cast the people and he'll tell you. He's like, I'll cast the people that I've worked with because I know that they'll come in, they'll nail it, and they will give me what I want. Yeah. Totally cool. I know. I, I've i written and directed a few things. I know who the hell I want to call for things because I've just like, these people will be, you know, they'll nail it. Right. But sometimes it's like... I don't think that that was the best casting. You might be just uh, fanning, fanboying out a little bit too much. Okay. Udo Kier as the head, um, he's like the the head shirt basically at uh, the head suit. Sorry, at uh, Smith's Grove. Yeah. It's just I. He's a very striking. You know, he was uh, in Blade, obviously, yeah. but like he's done way more before that. He's a German actor who's got a heavy accent, and that's what we're going through. Is well, like who's his number two? Clint Howard. Clint Howard, <laughs> <laughs> which just kind of screams like, oh, what kind of movie are we in for? Right. I mean, now? at the same time, just give Clint Howard that spot because like Clint right. Howard is is can do. You know, I mean, I, Clint Howard had me as a fan of his awesome work since the wraith yes. you know that movie oh yeah i know the Wraith. yeah oh we're yeah. talking about that one uh so <laughs> <laughs> so anyway so you know it's just sometimes that the, the casting does match and then sometimes i'm just like ay dios <laughs> but one part let me get here one part lance where they nailed the casting and this is going to be a huge uh favorite part for our uh, wives I'm sure returning to Halloween the Halloween franchise is a now adult Danielle Harris <laughs> she's back and she's an adult and she is uh, which is kind of interesting because Danielle Harris is not playing Jamie who she was playing in Halloween 4 and 5 she's playing Annie, Annie. Brackett in uh this remake so that was interesting lance uh it was very interesting <laughs> not only that but she looks great fantastic she, yeah i mean uh she's playing a teenager in this thing but it was just exciting to see that um this movie didn't feel so much like h2 on resurrection where we're just like i don't know add a name add a name this was like let's add daniel harris to this why not Something about it, though, as I think Rob Zombie was a fan like us of the Halloween movies. So putting Daniel Harris in certain situations in this thing felt a little odd. But 
Well, yeah, I think I think because there is, and I was do, and I was making sure I went, and I was really trying to think hard. And if I mess this up, I apologize. But there is zero connection to any of the original Halloweens. The only connection that we have is, I think, Danielle Harris. Right. Tiny, right. tiny connection. Adrian yes. Barbeau is in a deleted scene, and she was engaged to John Carpenter. Okay. Whatever. But anyway, Danielle Harris is the only connection that we have from any of the originals. Yeah. And she's great. She plays Annie in this, but I think personally, a lot of people are going to disagree, probably you as well. I think she's a better character and gets more acting chops in two H2, Rob Zombie's H2, than this one. I feel like I wouldn't disagree with you. I feel like Annie, Linda, and even Lori are very rushed in the end of this. I feel like those characters are, have don't have the depth that they had in the original one. It, but it's funny, though. I, I think they get about a, the same amount of screen time that they did in the original. Uh, Halloween. Yeah. As a matter of fact, they might even get a little bit more in this one because yeah. they got the walking home, they got the library scene, and then you know they got them in their individual parts, and then like phone calls and stuff to each other. But in the original, you've got them walking home. And that's it. Yeah, for, for at least yeah, yeah, right. And then in this version, though, we don't get Lori on her own walking home. She's immediately home. we get her for like two seconds. We get her for like Michael's two seconds, like basically chasing her down, kind of a thing. Well, uh, yeah, after, walking after her, and she doesn't know it. But um, that's basically the only part. It's like are, a block. Maybe. I, 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 I don't want to say that somebody can't do anything that you know they try and set them their minds out to. I don't. I hate putting people in boxes and stuff, but. You know, it seems as though Rob Zombie has a very good mind for the macabre and the dirty and the grimy, and he could shoot that very well. I think he's at a disadvantage when it comes to shooting the cookie cutter sort of. And not that he even says that he was like, I wasn't going for this cookie cutter stuff. He was, our family, he was trying to make an edgier lorry, which is maybe a sign of the times and is maybe what people would be like, oh, I believe that because the... I guess, frankly, the style of Laurie Strode as played by Jamie Lee in the original, mm-hmm. that really doesn't exist anymore as far as that. I don't know. Maybe they do that that sort of person. This is like what I said about Loomis is like you made it your own. You made your own version of Laurie in today's standard because we're basically in the original film. You know, Michael at six years old is happening in what, the 60s and then or no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the yeah. 60s, and then we go to the 70s. Well, this is Origins, Michael's in the 70s, and now we're in current well, that, But that's the thing, is that, that like they never put a date on it. They don't. But it's it has to be the 70s. But then, like, forward, Loomis has a cell phone. They call him on his cell phone. Yeah, it's more modern So I don't know. I, 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 and that's totally a way to shoot the film, where you don't give it a time frame, or you don't give it a... You just give a, it a style of an era. I mean, the, all the music's from the 70s. Right. It's just it's got its own thing going on. But um, yeah, so this version of Lori is kind of a hipster. She's into the macabre a little bit. She's got skulls on her sweater. Yeah, but it's also like the (laughs) see, I didn't like personally the interaction she has with. First of all, there are a lot of royal. There's a lot of royalty of movies, horror movies in this in this movie. D Wallace, who plays her mom Mm -hmm. uh, from, you know, E.T. and the howling and all that stuff. Uh, D. Wallace plays uh, Mrs. Strode, and there they have like this this breakfast, and Laurie kind of just is so ridiculously crass with her mom talking about this like uh, uh, this this uh, this owner of a 
lumber like a you know like a like a tool sh- tool store or whatever uh-huh. like a, uh, what the hell am I trying to say anyway talks about how he's old and he like ooh he likes to touch me in all the right way and she gets a bagel and she puts her finger through it and I'm like that's not the way anyone talks to their mom I don't think I feel like I don't know if this is real life but a lot of movies portray and Lori does not know that she's adopted but she is these parents are not her her original parents her birth parents so uh, movies seem to betray adoptive parents a lot differently mm. and they're always much more like friendly and crass in a lot of situations they sure. they raise very aware I mean, is that children like, is that her myersness poking uh, out maybe but the adoptive parents totally embrace it because of whatever reason I've, I've never adopted a kid can't tell you about the relationship <laughs> you'd have with one but that's how movies seem to portray sure these relationships so i was okay with that and it doesn't feel like zombie stuff really to me it doesn't feel like that aggressive sexualness but it's there there's I, something just- to it because you're you're waiting to meet Laurie Strode. Yeah, you want to know who's playing Laurie Strode. You want to know what she's got. What, what kind of? And she's right. To, I'm talking about Scout Taylor Compton, who talks about it in the in the behind the scenes. She's like, there was a lot that was she felt that she had to live up to, and uh, I just I, I I didn't like this casting personally. Um, it was hard for me to connect to her i felt like there was something just missing and if it's missing here even though she like when she's like being sweet and stuff yeah. it's kind of okay and it's good but in h2 like i'm i'm, I'm done with yeah. this but anyway anyway i i just i, I don't know there's it's, it's a lot to live up to you're talking about having to live up to the iconic character mm-hmm. that is laurie strode portrayed by jamie lee curtis it's just it's a lot on someone's plate yeah and i think one of those it, it's the Rob Zombie, it's the uh, what is it? The round uh, uh, pig in the the square circle or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, <laughs> it just doesn't fit. He tried to put his vision into Halloween as like you could have just done a totally different loom. It's a totally different Lori, and I think it would have worked better than trying to fit your vision and your creativity and your artistic style into what Halloween is. And that's how this film feels is like, it starts to go over the edge of zombie isms. Right. Right. It's like, Oh no, but this is still Halloween. We got to make sure that we know it's Halloween. Everyone needs to know that it's Halloween, but we'll give you some little things. It feels like a very controlled, uh, Rob zombie where (laughs) Halloween two does not at all. Right. Like at all. So I totally agree. And you know what, to a certain point when you are used to doing your own, uh, your own independent sort of you're creating the characters. You're the boss that answers to yourself. If it's an indie flick and stuff like that. Now you got big bosses who are like, well, you got to make sure you have this. And like, I know. So for, as far as the score goes, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, they got Tyler Bates to come in. He does. It's very, um, it's kind of like overdrive, a lot of like uh, electronic metal clanking of, uh, of, of intense scenes, but the original sort of, uh, ding 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 are still kind of there you know ding 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 ding. you know like they're they're around and i know i know that if you're an original creator Mm. sometimes doing something that someone has already done it eats at you so you fight against well do i have to pay do i have to do fan service do i have to make sure that you know i'm paying off my own intent uh instincts and intentions so i could see that there's a lot of back and forth probably internally but you know what it, yeah. it ended up being a lot better than it 
probably should have been compared to other remakes. Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, so here we are with a pretty decent depiction, but something that I feel like fans, you're never going to please all the fans. Right. You know, and it's just the way it is. You're never going to make something that everybody likes. That's just the way it is. So, you know, trying taking try, him trying to take ownership of this character that was already created. That's tough. That's yeah. tough to do. There's a there's a few little things like that I really dug in the movie. There's a there's a scene where Lori's leaving her parents to go off for the night, and uh, Lori's dad's on the porch, basically saying goodbye. Tells the wife like, "All right, go ahead inside. I'll be right there." He starts like looking at the sky and talking about God knows what, and Michael punches him in the face. It's the first like jump scare. Or he uh, he slashes him right in the in the head. It's kind of like this weird yeah. It's this weird like slash to the face head thing, but it's it's like oh shit yeah. It's a good like pop, you know, scare, which we don't really get too many of those. Everything's so aggressive and like and Michael's just this force of just, you know, pounding everyone kind of a thing. So that was a fun little scare and uh, a little bit different when he goes inside the house and takes care of, of mom. Um, and then uh, one scene that I love actually is Michael kind of going back to enjoying Halloween with Lindsay. Lindsay's watching. The oh, thing, sure. Yeah, yeah. The original thing, I think. And, yeah, uh, the, the the that is still there. The original yeah. horrorthon is playing. Yeah, and we have a new Lindsay Wallace. Lindsay and Tommy are just awful in this film. <laughs> this so annoying. But the, there's this the really Lindsay cool they, scene where Michael's yeah. just standing there watching the movie. You actually see his eyes like go like look at Lindsay watching the movie, and he's like, oh, "I want to watch this too." <laughs> and it's so funny to I always love seeing Michael just kind of enjoy a little bit of Halloween. Like, oh. but I know Lance, what you really liked is the way that Michael got his coveralls and from who a new character played by Ken Foray, who was uh, in uh, devil's rejects. He plays Joe Grizzly, bitch. Uh, yeah. This, this <laughs> some, oh, I got uh, like, I love this character. I love this actor. He just is like lost in time truck driver. Who's like wearing the coveralls. He's got like this, like, 70s perm on on him and he's just driving his truck to the truck wash and he's like hey joe grizz is in town who's got the crack jack i was like fuck i want to party with this yeah. dude <laughs> i want to want to chill so he just everything about the joe grizzly scene i absolutely love just because like i don't care that it's a michael myers scene at the at some point you don't even or movie at some point you could even discount that it is because he's not he's in a bathrobe and he had just come out of the asylum he's wearing that orange mask which i actually like that orange mask me too i the I, one that's just orange i, that I do as well yeah yeah that was really so cool. joe grizzly is going to let his car truck be washed he's gonna go take a dump in the in the stalls and he's Got the a nude magazine, you know, one of those uh, Playboys or whatever, like a really, and he's just like talking to himself. I love this character because he's opening this, you know, the the magazine and he sees a uh, naked girl and he's just like, mm, naughty, naughty. I'm like, <laughs> he's just having this outer dialogue. And then Michael knocks on the door and he's like, hey, buddy, just to give you a heads up, I got a taco deluxe supreme talking back at me. <laughs> I was just like, I never like using the restroom in public places, but to be that like forward with someone you haven't met, you know, and you're just in there in your intimate moment trying to take a dump and you're just all like, oh, it's going to be a long one, my friend, you know, (laughs) 
<laughs> just kills me. I love that part. It's a hilarious character, and there's very much a Rob Zombie character, which yeah. they need to kind of bring back or something. Oh yeah, yeah we need we need the the that's the prequel I want to see is Joe, Joe Grizzly. Grizzly bitch. bitch. That's, that's the name of yeah, it. Yeah, he gets up to like confront Michael after he keeps on banging on the door, not letting him like drop his load. He's like, "Allow me to introduce myself. I'm Joe Grizzly, bitch." I'm like. Are we supposed to know who Joe Grizzly is? <laughs> yes, you are, Danny. Yeah, I'm you the are. bitch. I'm the bitch because I don't know who you he don't is. Know. You don't know about Joe Grizzly, do you? <laughs> anyway, Michael, obviously, because they're, they're two big dudes fighting in a stall that is so, it's like King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah, it really um, is. And he gets the coveralls and there, there you go. Um, but back to Daniel Harris, um, yes. as I know we all love to talk about. I mean, we got to try and navigate this the best way possible, Lance, but I'll tell you what I was going through when I was in the movie theater. Okay. So Annie Brackett, as we know in the original Halloween, uh, does not make it to see Paul. She could no longer stall, but Michael ended her life in the car before she was trying to go get Paul. Yes. In this one, the uh, character of Annie is played by Danielle Harris, and she takes Lindsay over because she's going to go hook up with Paul. This has already been discussed. Yep. Uh, so um, she drops Lindsay off, and she gets Paul. We see Paul. We had before not seen Paul. And Paul and Annie are hooking up Going in, at it. In, on, the couch. on the couch, and Michael's in there. And the thing is, again, you got, there's some things that just are not working the fact that he's hitting his head almost on every threshold every fucking banister <laughs> in the frame most of the time. yeah it's like yeah. they almost have to raise the couches anyway <laughs> i'm in the theater i have no idea what i'm expecting to watch i see you know daniel harris getting down with uh paul and then she's nude not Fully. Not fully. She's uh, she's half naked. Topless. She's topless. That's the word I was looking for. Topless. She's topless. She's topless. And I don't know, honestly, Lance, what Rob Zombie was doing. But if that was just fan service for all of the people who are dudes who end up getting a crush or not anybody who got a crush on Daniel Harris. I don't know if that was intentional, but if it was... Uh, yeah, that happened, and it was, uh, it was, it was. We get a whole lot of topless Daniel Harris in this we one, do. and I think as our first viewing when we were much, much younger, it was exciting and fun, and yay, okay. As a little older adult, it was really awkward watching for me. Let me tell you, yes, absolutely, because okay, she's she's you know with her boyfriend, and it's very passionate, and we're you know she's they seem to be enjoying it. And you're like, oh, nice, topless Daniel Harris. Yeah. And then she's topless for a way too long, and she's being ravaged and killed by Michael. And you're like, oh, actually, I don't like this. She's being dragged around. Uh, she's got blood like all over her toplessness. And it's it's a hard watch. I don't know. My fiance was she actually walked in, I think, on that scene. And of course, and that's exactly like, when they walk like, in. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I was like, no, this is actually hard for me to watch at this point because – it's just we talked about the innocence of our crush and it was you know little daniel harris and she's older than us but uh the innocence goes away and i don't i feel like it was rob zombie being a fan like us sure having the same crush that we had and going like here's my opportunity here's my chance well i mean he's older than us obviously but like you know i mean 
I feel like he he knew what he was doing with this. At the same uh, time, it's like again, you yeah. If, if they're because we're, I mean, I'm in college when I'm watching this, so it's like yay, you know, nudity because that's what that's the reason you put it on TV as far as like um or in movies for teen boys to like be like yeah right right and then you keep watching and you're like well the nudity is still there but this is really this is really uncomfortable which was effective that is incredibly effective and he can do that he can really do that you're you're thinking you're like ah oh nice i get to see nudity but then you're like oh but that's not i don't want them to go through that it's personal yes it's a personal thing like if you had not watched the rest of the franchise and you're new to the franchise with rob zombie or halloween films there's no big deal. And it's kind of like, oh, that's a cool scene. Like the girl's topless the whole time. There's that sex and violence that Rob Zombie loves so much. There's blood all over her. Um, but when it's personal, it's, it I touches mean, home in a different way. It sure did. And like uh, such a awesome, awesome underrated actor in Daniel Harris. I mean, I think she, um, gosh, that scene is just... She she was I could like I saw the behind the scenes. She's yeah. fighting. She's like, I want to be in the scene. I can do it. Throw me around. I'm and I just respect that as an actor yeah. myself. I can respect Absolutely. that for somebody to be like, I don't need a stunt person. I can be involved in this and I'm willing. I, I want to, you know, see this character through. And there's just that is one of the most gruesome, but also gut wrenching, heart wrenching kills in this in that movie yeah well uh lori comes and finds her at some point she she walks in and annie's on the ground in the front the entry area or whatever but she's still alive she doesn't say much and lori goes on to get help or call well because they also see paul and that is actually a cool image paul's hanging with the pumpkin on his head you know that's again michael's just having fun tonight isn't that terrifying but annie's still alive and when lori leaves Annie's got this pain and she starts screaming for Lori because Michael was right behind the door. But she can't tell. She, she can't tell Lori because she's just like destroyed. She's Yeah, she's in shock and everything. And then she starts screaming for Lori. And the way this is shot is interesting because I think Daniel Harris, the way she looked, it was she's just, you know, good looking and all this kind of stuff. But in this shot where she has blood coming off her mouth and on her face and everything, the way it's shot so close to her face, we're not talking about the toplessness anymore. We're talking about just the, the close up of her face in screaming in pain. She looks so much like she did in Halloween four and five, which kind of tugged away. Like, Oh, this is a cool nostalgic moment. And you don't want to see this character, even though it's an, it's the same. Sorry. It's a new character, but it's the same actor. You're yeah. like, you made it. I mean, your character didn't make it because in Halloween six, Jamie Lloyd dies, the character, but Daniel Harris made it. She yeah. survived four and five. And you're like, don't, don't, don't do it. Please don't. And you yeah. know, you're pulling for her to survive. Um, and look, we're not going to go through the whole movie because it's the, it's, it is mostly the original. There are some cool things that he does. Um, he goes, he's very, uh, more gratuitous even with Linda and her death. Like she is now this one is fully nude. Like she is yeah. like fully. And you know, Christina Cleave who plays Linda went, uh, went for it. Um, Bob, Bob dies differently in a theatrical than the director's cut. There's two deaths for Bob. Yeah. So whichever one you watch, he either gets killed in the van or he gets killed traditional Bob style, which is my favorite kill in right. the franchise. But it's my favorite kill, especially in part one. 
you know, stabbed through the chest and he, they do the ghost Bob thing again. All that happens. But like Linda is, oh, obviously this is different. Linda and Bob have decided that they're going to go get busy in the Myers house. Right. And, you know, that's that's new. But yeah. Um, what was funny about that scene is is <laughs> they play up the old uh, scene, which is like, see anything you like. Sure. We get all that. But then it's the Rob Zombie version. Like, no, I'm going to show you more. And you get all of it. You get everything with Linda. Which as an actor, like, kudos to you to be able to, because there are too many people on set that day and every day. There are so many people on set for you to be able to portray that. I mean, like, that, that was wonderful. But again, the hulking mass that is... Michael, you don't know that that's not your boyfriend. He's right. only seven feet tall now wearing a, a, a sheet. Right? Yeah. yeah, but anyway, besides that. What, what's funny is that's when the movie changes. We get that prior, like the order of how he remade basically the original. We get that and that's all kind of paying, paying homage. And then we get a totally different Annie and that whole thing escalates a different way, which is really cool. We still have uh, most of the characters are, you know, we'd still get yeah. Loomis going to the graveyard and not and not seeing the, the tombstone. We get all that. We get Loomis trying to convince Brackett, which, again, another piece of amazing horror movie, movie royalty, Brad Dourif yeah. playing Sheriff Lee Brackett. And Brad Dourif, if you guys don't know, is uh, not only a amazing actor in like one flew over the cuckoo's nest and in the exorcist three but he's also the voice of chucky and you hear it sometimes but i will talk about this moment really quick it's when he goes and he finds annie because they get the 911 call and you know they go to the to the house oh it just destroys me because it's a multitude of my childhood just merging in that moment yeah because he he opens the door and he sees his daughter Annie Brackett on the floor, and he just goes Annie, and the way he says it, it sounds like Chucky, and it's like Chucky, and it's a Halloween movie, and there's Daniel Harris. I'm like losing it. I'm losing it. So it's just like, and it's also very like touching because he just you hear it in his voice. What an amazing actor, underappreciated again. Mm-hmm. Um, that quiver, if you can do that quiver in your voice in that scene, discovering your daughter. Yeah. It's even, it, yeah. It Especially even, when you have the emotional attachment that we have, which a lot of people that watch this film probably didn't have some uh, because we have new a new audience coming into this. Right. Line. So uh, at some points you realize he's going to make this new movie and it's going to be for people who've never seen Halloween before. Right. Totally fine. You know, not everybody lives in a vacuum like I do, you know, (laughs) where we're just watching the classics. Uh, So there are some things that like, you know, we're going to work and some things that we're just going to fall flat. And to me, for the beginning to the end, it was just I couldn't get over how lumbering and big and hulking Michael was. It's terrifying as like a Jason, maybe. But as a Michael, it's just like, oh, this guy. But you know what? You're going to make a rough Michael who busts through doors and shit like that. That's fine. Yeah. And that's what I I kind of explained or I said before is everything has to be explained. Like I was watching with my fiance and she's like, oh, he just took that knife to the shoulder and he's fine. Like that's why he's so big, I think, is to explain everything. And And he gets shot too. Yeah, He gets shot. He gets everything. He just takes so much punishment. But it's okay because 
he's a fucking monster of a human being. And that's what we have to deal with is everything is explained in this film. There's a motive for everything. And there's the psychological side to, to Michael. And he's still, you can still dive into Michael and find, you know, that little piece of maybe I'll get away from him. You yeah. know, you can get into the psychological side of him and Loomis tries and, you know, there's just the, the, everything. Yeah, the, there is a, there's a, yeah, this is not, you know, Terminator, he can't be reasoned. Or, right. There, that was very much apparent in the original. I mm-hmm. believe so that I'm like, if I run into this dude and I'm in his way, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. This one, you almost can like be like, okay, just going to avoid you. Even though, and that, but that's strange to say, even though, because how big he is anyway. Right. Anyway, uh, the final scene, the final act leads us to uh, a, a standoff between Laurie and Michael, but this one's a little bit more cat and mouse throughout the whole Myers house. He takes her back there and he's trying to explain to her without using any words that she is his sister. He's got a dead Linda in front of the Myers uh, tombstone again. So Lori doesn't know because he's just handing her a picture of her as a baby with him. And he's just like, yeah, look at it, you know? And she's like, I don't, I don't don't want it, you know? So, (laughs) <laughs> she ends up escaping from the house and he's just losing it, breaking shit, walking through walls. It's a very high tense. Uh, yeah, it's a very high intensity ending. Uh, finally, Loomis finds her. And depending on which ending you've seen, he's able to either uh, rest or you know, save her by shooting Michael. Oh, she escapes and like falls into an abandoned pool, an empty pool. And he goes in there. And Lo- that's when Loomis you know, finds them, shoots him in the back and saves Lori, goes into the car. We yeah. see the uh, iconic or hear the iconic line where she asks Loomis, who she's never met before. Was oh. that the boogeyman? Yeah. And you're just waiting to hear Donald Pleasance. And I think that's why I was like, at this point, I was like this. Yeah. Just like, just t- tense in my, in my seat. I remember in the theaters, I was just like, don't, yeah. don't you don't you dare. Don't you dare. And the way Malcolm delivers it, it's like, it's hard because it, you want to hear Donald Pleasance. It's him trying and it just doesn't land at all. I mean, it's so disappointing to hear. It As really a matter is. of fact, I do believe it was. I was like, uh, you're reading lines. Uh, I just does not. But you know what? He is an amazing actor. It's just because he's put into this position where we want to see Donald Pleasance. Well, yeah, you made the character so similar. That's why I say is if you're going to, you know, change it up, change it up. Yeah. Don't give us half assed version of what we want and what you want. Yeah. You know, and in the second one, that's what we get. We get a totally changed Loomis, which is awful. But. Well, it doesn't end. It doesn't end there. Michael's not dead, obviously. So wrestles Laurie out of the car, takes her inside, is able to <laughs> crunch Loomis's head, leaves him dead on the floor. There's another cat and mouse throughout the entire house, which is this one's. This one was kind of. It felt to me. This one felt to me. I was like, this is dragging on. I'm like, you know, she's like kind of going in here it and there. It felt like an extension of the film. Like the film seemed to end at some point, and then this is just a weird. Yeah, because these were the resh- these were reshoots, and it doesn't quite fit. But you're like, okay, I get more Michael and Laurie. I yeah. remember being in the theater going like, well, at least I get a little more for my my buck. You yeah, know what I mean, but she's like in the walls. Yeah, she's hiding in the walls. She's hiding in the attic. At one point, he gets a two by four, and he's just like, because yeah. the house is decrepit, right? So he's just tearing like tearing the house apart, trying to tear it up, trying to get her to come out. It's like trying to 
you know, it's a cat and mouse. It's exactly what it is. <laughs> and it ends with her all bloody and busted up. She is able to get Loomis's gun. What about- what about what? the tackle, though? That's what I'm doing. Where's where I'm going? Oh my god! Where oh she? God. Yeah. So yeah. Yes. So she gets Lewis's gun and <laughs> is just like bubbling with blood and all that stuff. And he, she feels like it feels like she got away from him somehow. But she's just like with her back to the. She's in the second story. She's the back to the window, and Michael's just like looking at her when the camera pans up, and he's just like. <laughs> he just like stomps and like charges at her, tackles her. Full they spear. both, yeah, he Goldberg spears her through. He does. And <laughs> they fall to you know the second, the first floor, and she's still alive miraculously, and he's knocked out. She gets the gun. She's got it pointed to his head, point blank. Pulls the trigger once, nothing. Pulls it again, the camera kind of shakes. I'm like, oh, who's shooting this, Kevin Dunn? And then she <laughs> pulls it, the, I guess, the third or the fourth time, and it goes off because it looks like he reaches for it, and she shoots him in the head, blood all over her face. It just ends with her screaming to high hell. And then there's a little bit of a sh- uh, home video of them as uh, Michael is a young baby holding Boo, and that is how the movie ends. Yeah, I... Uh... There was an inconsistency with that. The camera shaking once on one click of the gun, uh, and then it's just another one. If you had stayed consistent in that scene, it could have built a lot of tension. It could have been really good, but instead we just get this. Yeah, she shoots him point blank in the head. And uh, it's like yeah, the chin, right? Like, I mean, that's everything pretty yeah, much. Yeah, well, no, she she's aiming at the forehead, but who knows where she shoots him? Well, we do know because there is a sequel. <laughs> uh, yeah. But Lance, I'll tell you. I do have so much respect for everyone involved in this movie. Watching that behind the scenes documentary, everything that goes into it from like hiding palm trees because they shot it in Pasadena. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we did mention this, but the mask, we we did mention that it was introduced when he was a child. When he comes back to the house to get it, it's decrepit and busted up, which is the first time we see this, which is realistic if there is a movie. I'm sorry, if there is a mask that has been introduced in one part and then there's a 20 almost 20 year span the mask would it's latex it gets eaten up we already know what happens in four years of having it under your bed and smoking i mean it gets yellow what i wonder is after he killed everyone when he was a little kid he really took the time to go and put it under the floorboards the mask and his knife because when he comes home as an adult he tears the floors out so i'm just curious how he got the mask and knife under the floorboards as a kid I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't even going to bring that up, but since you got no, I mean, us like there. <laughs> I, I just had to. I had to bring up the idea that the mask we're looking at has moments of where it looks cool. Like there, are, there are shots of Michael as an adult that look good. There are, but it's mostly the shots where they film the lighting in his blacked out eyes. They're not screens; they're just blacked out because of the lighting. But we do get a lot of the under eye in this yeah. one as well, and. Sometimes it, I, I, you know, my, my wife, my fiance, even kind of says, hey, he looks a little doofy. Yeah. First she goes, oh, he looks really cool. And then the next shot, it's, oh, he's actually a little doofy. And why is he so big? And, you know, I think because of his head being so huge and the mask being so huge, it took a different. I mean, he's shape. proportioned for himself. Yeah. But that is, that's a seven foot tall man. Yeah. So, I mean, I love, I, 
<laughs> I love aspects of this movie. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to... And, hey, 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 you like the Danielle Harris part? Okay, fine. Yeah, she's in it, and it's great, right? Who's laughing at me? Why did I do that? I don't um, know. <laughs> no, but I, there are... Like, j- the Joe Grizzly part was is something I'll never forget, you know? Uh, there are some interesting aspects and, and cool moments. It's a happy yeah. marriage in some parts between Zombie and the original content, mm-hmm. but at the same time... It wasn't what we wanted, I don't think. No, you but you did mention there are memorable moments. Yep. We just talked about Resurrection last week, and um, there's nothing memorable about that film. Like we will never go back and watch it if we don't have to. So, <laughs> but there there are memorable moments here. I said it at the beginning of the show. Uh, if it wasn't for the Halloween side, like I would love to see Rob Zombie do a slasher flick. I mean, he sure doesn't necessarily do slasher flicks. Uh, or I, I wouldn't really call them slasher. Flicks, it's like this is more like a monster movie. Yeah, it felt like it felt like more like a Frankenstein. Not not that they're similar stories, but it just felt like this, like this. Uh, yeah, like the the Hulk of a right. of a monster just coming for you, and that's not what Halloween is. But again, this is a reimagining; it's a re- remake. We get it, we know. Yeah. But if there's something to know about any time you remake anything, you have to give the fans something to appreciate that you care. And to me, a lot of it felt like backstage politics. And if that wasn't apparent to any of you for this one, get ready for the second one. <laughs> Ooh, let's uh, put the buckle on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Watch the film. It's a it's a good it's a good movie. It's a good horror flick. Uh, not great. There's a lot of trying to fit a lot of different things into something, but uh, it's good. I like it. Yeah, I wouldn't rank this as the worst, but I would rank it. Uh, as far as in the Halloween franchises, it's pretty in the middle middle of the road for me. Okay, so what's your uh, butcher your kitchen knife rating? Then? Yeah, I just don't, I don't I don't know, man. Because like I've been going back and forth. Uh, I like it more than I do Halloween Five. I'll tell you that. Um, I think probably I know you hate half stars. But I'd probably give it about two and a half. Okay. Yeah. I will give it a a, a strong two. Yeah. Kitchen uh, knives. Two and a half kitchen knives. Yeah. If I give anything a one or a zero resurrection, I don't watch it probably. Did I give anything a one yet? No, but I am going to give one a one soon. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, trying to legitimize my rating here, but I give it a two for the franchise, but I do like it as a horror film. I will watch it again and down the road. Yeah. I mean, this movie is what a lot of people were introduced to the Halloween franchise, how they were introduced to it. They're like, oh yeah, man, I've seen Halloween Rob Zombies. And you're like, ah, (laughs) what? Go watch the original. But, uh, yeah, it's fine. It's not. It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's not a terrible. Yeah. First of all, it's like you said, and I'm, we're belaboring the point at this point. But it's not a terrible movie. It's just not a Halloween movie. Right. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, this has been Rob Zombie's Halloween. 
Uh, that's Danny. I'm Lance reminding you to lock your doors, bolt your windows, and go see Joe Grizzly, bitch. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Um, all right. Uh, we'll see you next time for Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Uh, thank you for joining us in our Slasher's Paradise. Peace. Peace. <laughs>